Oh, can I add a question to the um, that transition there? Um, I'd like to ask him what his favorite podcast is, oh. and then give him a hard stare. You can do that. <laughs> podcast. Right. Well, we can switch up the order. I just need to know what the last question is, so I can I can bring in the the bebop, the bop bop. I don't care. I just want to ask. So w- once he answers that question, uh, I'm going to put up the music. Uh huh. And then you you give me the sign. I'll give you the sign as I bring the music down. I'm trying not to have to edit, okay? Okay. And it, I mean, how would it be if your whole, everything you said, your whole life was recorded? I mean, I know they've done that. They've yeah, done Black that Mirror does, did a show on that. There's the man. Yep. Now we're having beer at the Beer Culture Bar. Right. So should we put well, the headphones Well, but you've been here before. Let's, let, let's go. I know you're busy. You probably have something else coming up. Yeah, maybe like in an hour. Yeah, yeah. All right, then let's let's then let's let's go. Let's go. So do I just go? Yeah, you just you just you just <laughs> oh, start the. the I thought there was something. Okay, the pop okay. up comes All in right, later. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here I go. Here I go. This will be Bar Crawl Radio's third conversation with Councilmember Rafael Espinal. He is in his mid 30s, a Democrat, representing the 37th district of Brooklyn. City and state describe Espinal as a New York rising star. Today's show is dedicated to Rafael as he runs for the New York City Public Advocate in a special election. You're tuned to Bar Crawl Radio because the most interesting conversations happen at New York City bars. We're at Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar on West 72nd Street, and here we go! Okay, we're bopping a little bit here to... Wade Ripka's uh, Eastern Blockheads are opening. You play the drums? <laughs> a little bit. A little, yeah. Uh, we, you know, we, we, we always start by asking, what are you drinking? Um, IPA from Long Island City. Yeah, yeah, I'm, the same thing. It's at Long Island City yeah, Beer Project the same thing. Higher Burning. Tasty. Yeah. It is. I like it. I love, I love these you IPAs. You like IPAs? It's like a very light IPA, but it's an IPA. Yeah, yeah but yeah. It, it has some interesting other things going on. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and Becky, you're and drinking. And I am drinking Tito's and Tonic with a, in a tall glass with extra lime. Ah, okay. I, I'm supposed to say something, but I just drank yeah, don't some burp. of this delicious don't IPA burp, honey. that uh, Gephardt's has here. Rafael Espinal, representing the 37th District in the New York City Council, is running... For city advocate, and we got want to find out what is that office is and why he's running for it. But first, Becky and I want to explore the person as just another citizen of our great and flawed city. Getting to like you, getting to hope you like. Other, thank you, Julie. Raphael, you lived in Brooklyn your entire life. Um, do those Brooklyn experiences not your entire life? I lived there my entire life, yes. Yes, okay. Do those Brooklyn experiences prepare you to be an advocate for the five boroughs? Yeah, of course. I mean, I like to tell people that, yes, I was born in Brooklyn my entire life, lived there my entire life, but I was also born and raised in New York. Uh, the five boroughs is my home. Uh, I'm kind to know uh, every neighborhood just growing up here. I've had family in Washington Heights. I've had family in the Lower East Side. You know, I've had family in Queens. So, um, you know, I'm no stranger to, you know, the hustle and bustle of every different neighborhood and every different borough. Yeah, but this this city is very unique in the fact that it has enormous amounts of different populations and different 
quality of, uh, of ways of living in, in this city. The, the, this, the sense of like covering this whole city, it, it must be challenging. Yeah, it, it is challenging. And there's, there's this idea, I mean, I think before you run for citywide office, it, it seems very daunting, right? The idea of yeah. meeting different people, understanding uh, different cultures or even just communal cultures, different communities and how they view local politics and what they believe the role of government is in their in their lives and their communities. I think that, that idea uh, was very daunting for me as well. Um, but then I learned very quickly uh, two things running for citywide office. You can get anywhere in the city uh, as long as the trains are running and there's no traffic as, uh, within an hour. You know? so it's this is true. This is true. It's our, the best our, way to yeah. use public transportation, our, too. And our great and flawed subway system allows right. us to, uh, to go anywhere 24 hours a day. 700 right. miles of track. Let's learn about you. Let's go back. All right. You're um, the third of six children, a nice large family. Could you tell us a little bit about your brothers and sisters? Yeah. Um, we're a big family. Very close, uh, tight knit. Uh, thanks to my parents, I think they've they've brought us up in that culture. Uh, I have an older sister, I have an older brother. I am the middle, mm-hmm. and then I have three younger brothers um, after after me. We were all born and raised in the same house in in Brooklyn. Um, I would say half my brothers are accountants. Hmm. My sister's in fashion. Uh, my youngest are is is in, is in school now. Uh, so where, we're, we're where in school? Uh, he goes to Queens College, actually. My alma mater. Uh, so I'm kind of proud to have him there. Did you have some influence in getting him to go there? Yeah, I, I did. I did. I did. I what, did. What is he studying? Uh, he's studying business. All right. You know, very. All we all very. We're all very different in many different ways. Yeah, we had three of you in accountants. So, uh, who, where was that influence to go into accountancy? I think that it was the idea of job security. Uh, okay. I almost did it. I almost did it when I was in college. I was actually a film major, an English major. Were you? And yeah, and uh, part of the, the part of my brain was like, "What am I going to do for work after I graduate?" And I was like, "Let me try accounting." I did it for one year, flunked all my classes, and I said, "All right, this is not for me. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm an arts guy." So I went back to English and writing and, and film. Was that some influence from your father that said, "You know, son, you have to be an accountant because you can make money." <laughs> I, I think it was more of the idea of like making money so you can buy a home and continue to afford to live in the city. Right. Right. Uh, and be able to buy buy a car or all those other things that you're sold when you're growing up that you need to be a proper so you, adult, right? You're <laughs> just going about it in another way, another avenue. Yeah, I mean, I never thought I'd be in politics. This is this is the the last uh, thing on my mind. I didn't even know how to get into the door uh, to even run for office, uh, and it happened by accident. I was a uh, I was I graduated college. I was applying to grad school to get an MFA in screenplay writing. And when I put my application in, someone called me and said, "Hey, there's a politician looking for a writer. Uh, they're paying. They're paying, you know, thirty thousand dollars a year." And I said, "Okay, I'll do this for a few months while I'll wait for my application to go through." My application got rejected, and I was stuck with this job in local politics. And I said, "Okay, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be." And who who was that? It was a city councilman uh, over in my neighborhood. I grew up. His name was Eric Delon. Right, who um, was who was influential influential in your career? Right, he he was because it, it was the first job I ever had, and uh, I I stuck in his, stuck around his office for four years, and they helped me run for office four years later. So at the age of twenty seven is when I ran, uh, with one thing in mind, goal in mind, is to pr- produce as much resources as I could for my co- local community. And, and you ran for what office? Uh, New York State Assembly. Okay. Oh, New York State Assembly. That's yeah. right. That's right. Did it for, right. did it for two assembly. years, and right. then the city council seat opened up, and I wanted to be home here in New York City, and like actually work on the city's budget and on real city issues. We'll go back to, I want to go back to that discussion of how, how you got into politics. But w- So 
you were a child in Brooklyn. What kind of games did you play? Were there street games? Were there, you know, did you? What kind of music did you listen yeah, to? I mean, what was I, it like? I, we we uh, well, I grew up. My family, my siblings, and I grew up in East New York, a very rough neighborhood in the '90s and the '80s. Uh, but that didn't deter us from having a normal upbringing, right? Uh, we we played on the streets. We sat on our stoops. Uh, we went to the yard and threw rocks. Uh, we did things that, that kids used to do. Uh, I would say that our favorite games are probably uh, like wiffle ball. You know, we were in, in, the the street. Ball in the street. Yeah, right. yeah. So that was probably one of the one of the most fun. In wiffle ball because it had a less chance of breaking a window. Yeah, ex- <laughs> yeah exactly, right. exactly. Right. Yeah. And you know, the streets are much narrower in Brooklyn, so you're able to do it. Just like throw the ball from across the street. So did you turn? Did you like have a thing where you could turn the water on in the fire hydrant? Yeah, in we the had summer? the fire hydrant. It would turn on in the summertime. Uh, I wouldn't get in, but my friends would. <laughs> Why wouldn't you get I, in? I don't know. I don't know. I just, just the idea of just like being wet in the middle of the street. I don't know. Okay. Some some weird thing. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm just weird. Right. <laughs> Did you ever go back and see what uh, is going on in your neighborhood now? I actually still live there. I live. I live oh, in the so, house I grew up in. So, so it, oh yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I, my parents uh, moved out of the home about ten years ago, and I decided to stay in the community and say, you know, this is this house is sitting here. We can either sell it or keep it in the family. And I just kind of saw it as an opportunity to keep it in the family and stay there and. Uh, be able to continue working in the neighborhood, and now I'm the councilman, so it's like by law I have to be here. So I'm confined to my district by law right now. <laughs> so all right, all right. two two two, two, quest- two questions. Uh, so you have to live in the district in order to to, yeah. to be the councilman. Uh, are the children playing the same games on the streets? No, they're not. I don't see any kids playing games anymore like I used because they're with their iPhones. Right, everyone's oh, with their iPhones. They're all inside playing video games. Yeah, I, I mean, as a kid, we used to ride up, ride our bikes around the block, you know, things like that. Yeah, and, we we and did too. I grew up in Miami, a residence, you know, yeah. suburb suburbs of Miami, and we played in the streets and right. rode our, yeah, we didn't have iPhones. So right, that didn't, that didn't really exist. Home run derby and right, exactly. So I don't see that anymore. And yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Think about it. And, and and when you when you go home now, you have neighbors. They know who you are. They yep. say, "Hey, Raphael, you got to do something about." Right. Right, right. I mean, all, all the time, all the time. Um, it's it's a twenty four hour job, uh, especially because you you know you one person as a, as a human being you have this you feel this huge enormous responsibility to make sure you're always doing what's right for the neighborhood. Right. Uh, and then two um, people expect you to be always uh, on call and be available. So you know if I walk to the corner store to buy a gallon of milk or whatever it is, they'll stop me and tell me about the garbage that needs to be picked up on the street. Uh, you know if 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 the Parks Department wants to plant a new tree on their block. They'll complain to me about how they don't want a tree in front of their house. So you're always taking constituents' complaints, even whether they're neighbors or you know people you're meeting for the first time. It's that must happening. be hard. I mean, it must be sometimes like at the end of a long day, and it's like you just want to knock back. You need a, you need the milk for the morning. And you go like, hey, listen, man, just just call three one one. Okay, can we just table that for now. I'm really tired. Yeah. No, it it, it the happens. The tree's gonna be nice. Really. It happens, like you know, especially when you have like friends over your home and or you're having cooking dinner and you're like, I'm gonna go to the corner store. I'm gonna go. Pick, I'm gonna go pick up like uh, an orange or something to finish <laughs> this meal. And then you end up spending 20 minutes at the corner uh, store right. instead of spending five minutes. And, and, and everyone's waiting for you. Like, where are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're you're from uh, Dominican. I mean, your family's Dominican Republic. You right. still have family in Dominican Republic. Yeah. Uh, our son-in-law is, is Dominican. Oh, nice. Our grandson He is, must be a great guy. He's he is. He's a great guy. <laughs> he's a great guy. Ren is great. <laughs> we love him so much. Yes. Mainly because he loves our daughter. Nice. And, and he's because a great he gave father. us a grandchild. Oh, wow. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Jackie, amazing. Jackie that is That got him right amazing. in the door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is the neighborhood Dominican? Yeah, majority is, is uh, Dominican. When I was growing up, it was uh, majority Puerto Rican. 
Puerto Ricans started moving out. A lot of Dominicans started immigrating to the United States in the, the 90s and early 2000s. And I think uh, because of how affordable the neighborhood was, it was, you know, it was ripe for immigrant families to be able to come in, right. uh, raise their families, buy a home. And, uh, and it continues to be stuff. Dominican. It continues to be Dominican. Nice Dominican restaurants. Nice Dominican restaurants, especially in Cypress Hills in East New York. Uh, Bushwick is changing a lot. Uh, price of housing has gone up. A lot of new development. Um, uh, old, oh, you know, longtime residents are selling their homes because of how much how much value they're getting out of their homes now. Do you see a gentrification going on? Oh, a lot, a lot, a lot in Bushwick, especially. Yeah, uh, it's now spilling into Cypress Hills in East New York mm. um, for the same reasons that. You know, these are continue to be the most affordable communities in, in the city. And, you know, if you're a young person who's looking to buy a home, then Cypress Hills is probably one of the only places you can still do that. In. So you were raised in Cypress Hills. Your campaign website describes the neighborhood as disinvested and oppressed. But you indicate that this experience was a blessing. What is it in your neighborhood that you think made it a blessing? I think it's the idea that uh, the people in my community are all, are all underdogs, right? We had to work extra harder. Uh, to get what we have and, and what, what we wanted. Um, you know, and that's still the case today. So if you look at the fact that the schools are being disinvested, and I, I, I went to uh, some of the worst schools in the city, uh, I was able to get a proper education, thank God, you know. Um, I was able to uh, find a job in local politics, you know, and it's just like you have to work a little extra harder because those opportunities that are probably more abundant in different communities are not abundant there. Uh, so when you when you when you work extra hard, I think you appreciate everything you've able to gain and 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 uh, and produce for yourself a little more. Yeah. And I think that 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 resilience and the, and that that idea of, of putting that work in kind of helps me push push forward. You yeah. get some life skills that you might not have obtained in an, in a more um, comfortable neighborhood. Yeah, of course, definitely. Um, you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to single anyone out, but I, if I look at my friends who, who probably have a better, who had an easier upbringing than I have, they, they have a tougher time with completing certain tasks that I probably could complete a lot easier. And it's just this mentality of like, no one really gave me anything to work with. I had to, you know, gather, you know, what I had and, and, and do the best what I could with them, you know? Yeah. And, and you I was know, resourceful, resourceful. Resourceful, yeah. Resourceful. And I like the word resilience yeah. too. Yeah. Um, this, this may be a good segue into your high school experience. Uh, you went to a very large high school, uh, the Franklin K. Lane High School. Um, huge building. Mm-hmm. I, I saw a picture of it. Past graduates included comedian and writer Sam Levinson, actors Earl Hyman and Ann Jackson, one of the most famous flamenco dancers of all times, Jose Greco. Wow. Did you know there. that? I didn't know that. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, he was a bit <laughs> before your time. Oh, wow. Right. Went, went, went to school in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and crime boss John Gotti. Right. The, yeah, no, the, we knew, knew, we all knew John Gotti. Everyone yes. in school knew John the, Gotti. The, the, you knew who he was? Yes. Yeah, no, we, he wasn't there when you were there. He, uh, he wasn't there when we were no, there, but no. he, we knew who he was. Okay. Right. <laughs> and he, did, he didn't graduate. He, he left at 16. In the 1970s, Franklin K. Lane uh, High School was a troubled place. Mm-hmm. What was it like when you went there? Actually, in 2002, which was my last year mm-hmm. um, as, as a senior in that school, there was a front page story in the Daily News, which called Frank Hillane the least desirable high school in the city. Wow! Wow! So it was still it was on that up on the downward trend since the seventies uh, up until that moment. There's some creds for you, <laughs> right? There you go. It was on that downward trend, and actually, a few years after I graduated, um, it was uh, broken down into four different schools by mm-hmm. Bloomberg. Uh, so it's no longer Frank Hillane High School. It's now you know four or five different schools within that building. Right. Right. Did Did you feel you got a good education there? I think that it, it came, you know, I, I think this, this plays to the conversation around desegregation of our schools. Um, the biggest issue is that 
uh, our schools are, those schools are, are, are uh, largely segregated um, a lot of kids with a, with high need right who who need the extra attention are not getting it in this in this very large uh, building uh, probably that are not don't have the resources to be able to teach every single child don't have the, the teachers don't have the resources to be able to handle um, the fact that their the children in their classrooms uh, are high need students uh, but you know I guess I was fortunate enough to know that an education is is important um, so I, I paid attention the teachers are good the, the classrooms are good you know it just came down to the fact that our schools didn't have enough resources to be able to ensure that every student was getting a proper education. Well, we're, we're teachers, and I know that the students in my class have very different experiences. Mm-hmm. Some really take advantage of it and, like, get a lot of juice out of the right. orange. Right. And, and some just don't even pick the orange up, right? so to speak. Yeah, yeah so, you know, when we have a, a, a school with 4,000 students, how... How do you um, manage the students and make sure the classrooms are, are appropriate size for the, for the teachers to be able to have the resources they need to teach them? Mm-hmm. So you went on to Queens College. Yep. So do you remember a prof- particular professor or a class that you especially enjoyed? Um, yeah, I would say um, I w- my English classes. My English classes were the best classes. Uh, I would say that there's a professor named John Weir who was a creative writer. He's still there. I learned recently mm-hmm. teaching creative writing. He's written a few books. Uh, taught me how to uh, write creatively, and I think I wrote some of my first short stories in his, in his classroom. Um, and then, what did you write about? I, what did I write about? I, you know, I think I wrote about my 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 twenties, and it was uh, centered a lot around nightlife. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, so it was, it's it was all around, falling together. It was right? around nightlife, and you know, and you're still there because yeah. you brought in the New, the, the New York City nightlife <laughs> there. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> so it was like it was like uh, going to the bar, meeting people, um, having a beer. Um, I don't but know. I don't know ex- if I'm allowed to say this, but maybe have a cigarette and like talk to people. You know, it was like uh-huh. this whole kind of like cap- capturing the nightlife community and, and just people in the characters. And conversations at bars. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Like this. Like this one. Like this here, you one. here you are. Here <laughs> you are. Were, were you? Were you? Uh, I know you didn't become a film script writer. Was were your films going to be about that kind of thing? Um, I, they were like coming of age stories. Okay. Of of of. Young, young, you know, young people growing up in neighborhoods like mine and being able to branch out and kind of, kind of like take on the world. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you then taught a bit uh, adult literacy and general education degree prep uh, in Cypress Hills, where where, where you are now. Um, who were your students? What was that experience like teaching? Yeah, so I, I substituted for um, about six months, but I also taught a night class. Uh, t- for for GED and like adult literacy and adult literacy. Mm-hmm. So during the day, it was uh, you know kids between the sixth and eighth grade. I was substituting for a teacher that was out on maternity leave for a while. Oh, that's a great age. Yeah, it was it was it was great. Challenging. I, I, I had a, <laughs> yeah, it was challenging. I had a good time though. Um, you know, just I think in, I think the idea of being able to stand in front of a classroom and know you're having a direct impact on these children and and the ability to teach them. Um, I guess you know new things, new ideas. Well, you know things they never learned before. I uh, was kind of empowering, and then also understanding that, you know, when I went to school, what 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 motivated me the most was teachers who were very, very highly engaged in the classroom. So I wanted to be that teacher. You know, let every child know that I cared about you know every single one of them and that they were getting a proper education. Uh, and then at night, uh, adult literacy was in East New York, and it was a little more. It was a lot more challenging. These were adults who never learned how to read and write. Uh, either because they were immigrants or because they never, or they might have dropped out of school at a certain point early in their life. 
Um, and you so know, I guess a lot of them had been speaking Spanish or whatever the whole life. Right. So it, it was it was a, it was a mixture of both. It was just yeah. you know people. Uh, 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 young folks who were born and raised here in their mid-20s who never actually got a proper education. And that was a lot more challenging. You know, how do you, how do you, you know, teach the basics of reading and writing? Right. Um, but and you don't want to insult them and tar- exactly. start too low. Right, and, yeah. right. And then, and then I think what was, what was, what was inspiring was the, was the idea that, that there were, there are, there are people in this city, you know, in their mid twenties, in their thirties who actually want to take control of their lives and be able to learn and get a second chance. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Mm-hmm. So then you got involved in politics. Yeah, we started talking about that a bit. Yeah. Right. And you, uh, you worked for a politician mm-hmm. in Brooklyn, Eric Martin DeLon. <clears throat> so I'm curious. You know, you're you're a writer, so you know this idea of an inciting incident. Mm-hmm. So, what was the inciting incident to your political career? What thing, it, yeah, what yeah. it was that got me that stu- that made me stay in the office. Um, one, it was NYU rejecting my application. <laughs> Fortunately, <laughs> but that wasn't really what inspired me to want to stay. I, I it actually was. It goes back to education. Uh, I picked up, I picked up a phone call, and uh, a parent was calling because his his daughter wasn't going to school because she was being bullied. And the principal wasn't really um, paying much attention to the situation. Wow. And so the child was afraid to go back to school. And it wasn't until I, I personally called the school from the city councilman's office and said, hey, listen, you have a child who's been absent for a month. And uh, the parents feel as if you're not doing enough to get them back in school. Or you're not even granting them a transfer to a safer school. And within that conversation, I was able to get the child a transfer. Wow. Uh, two, three weeks later, the father calls me and says his daughter has been going to school for the, for the past three weeks since I made that phone call. And I was like, holy cow, Like, I can actually make a difference in these children's lives who I try to do in the classroom. I can actually do it here from government. And I saw it as an opportunity to continue growing that work of wanting to inspire younger folks um, to go to school and be involved in, in these conversations. That's, that's a, great. That's an important story. Yeah. I mean, you, you that's f- a formative story for you. You forget. You forget that these are the things that kind of dr- drove you to do certain things. You know, like, right? these things happen. But that, that it really was the moment where, where true, I put the phone down. True public service. Right. True public service. All no, our politicians should, should be that way. Knowing, the, knowing the, the, the influence and power you have because of the role, right? Right. And then seeing it connect and seeing the outcome of it. Right. And this is Bar Crawl Radio, and we're talking with New York City Council Member Rafael Espinal. Okay, Rafael. Let's uh, let's get to know you in a little uh, different way. Okay, right? you ready? We have a okay. set of questions for you. Ready? You. Sure. All right. Okay. Quick answer. Favorite okay. all-time restaurant? <laughs> um, I would say Roberta's. Where's Roberta's? Pizza in Bushwick. In Bushwick. Okay. Yes. All pizza. Right. Pizza place. Yes. I like that. It's okay. pizza. Wow. Okay. All right. This is a great city for bars. Uh, a lot of bars here. What is your favorite bar besides Gephardt's? Besides this place, it's hard. Um, Zablowski's. Zablowski's. Nor- North Six in Williamsburg. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's my, the first bar I walked into when I was 21 years old what, with, what, with what? my ID. Oh, with your ID. <laughs> with your ID, yes, that's right. The other ones you got by without the ID. Okay, all right. Okay, your favorite dessert? <laughs> He's thinking. Wow. Maybe he doesn't eat dessert. Um, I know cre- it's mine. I, I like creme brulee and cheesecake. Whoa. Creme brulee and cheesecake. Well, our son's cheesecake is our Those son's. are two desserts, right? Two different well, desserts. He's, yeah. He's got, they're tied. They're tied. I yeah. think a good creme brulee is pretty good. Wow. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, 
All right, I lost my place. Okay, I read that you make pizza in your backyard. Is that true? That is true. Okay. I made pizza two days ago. So do you have an <laughs> oven, like a, 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 what do they call them? Yeah, so there's this really cool oven they sell on the internet. You know, like when you open up Facebook and all these other wow. social media and they try to sell you something. And I, there was this <laughs> small little like uh, metal wood fire oven <laughs> that you can actually place on a countertop. In your backyard and put some uh, woodchuck, wood, uh, woodchucks, wood, wood into chips. wood chips into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you light it up and then you just throw your pizza in. And oh, and it, it makes, works? And it works. And it cooks pizza in within, a minute, bet, within a minute. I bet you oh. got it for twenty nine ninety nine. <laughs> I wish. Yes. I wish. A little, <laughs> a little more. Add another nine. Then we're okay, there. okay. <laughs> wow, wow. It's like a brick oven. Wood yeah, chip for, your back, for your backyard. What is your favorite topping that you make? Don't tell me it's pineapple. Uh-huh. No, it, it has to, it has like to be some sort of cured meat like pepperoni, okay. separasata when I want to be fancy. Oh, nice! Yeah. Oh, you do you do artisan pieces? Yes, exactly. Very nice. <laughs> so when are we invited over? Yeah, right. Anytime. anytime. I think we want right. to come for the the uh, the party. Right, we'll, you, we'll bring the beer. The office. Right. Yeah. You One of those Dominican advocacy. parties where there's yeah, a lot exactly. of dancing. Exactly. Some presidente. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. What's I forget the bachata merengue? We're learning. We're learning. Yeah, yeah. We've got so, a good teacher in Kren. <laughs> what's your favorite film of all time? All time. Wow. All time. That film. is tough. It is tough because I was a film student. And you I have, were. I have favorite directors. All right, who's your okay, favorite who's director? your favorite director? Darren Aronofsky. Aronofsky. I don't know him. Aronofsky. Do you know him? I, I know you the must. name. Wrecking for a Dream. Uh, he made Mother recently. Mother, I know him. Oh, mother, okay. yeah. He made uh, Black Swan with okay. Natalie Portman. Oh, yes, like yes, 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 yes. Excellent, yes. excellent. Yeah. That was a Just dark very, movie. Yeah, he's very cerebral movies that kind of get you thinking. And, yeah. and he's also yeah. from Brooklyn. Is so he? So I think that's what really inspired me to really like his films. That he's from South Brooklyn. Nice. And you see a Brooklynite or a New Yorker actually make these amazing films. We gotta watch Black Swan again. I just you just reminded me yeah. how good a film that was. Yeah. Okay. Just awesome. But favorite film would have to be Lost in Translation. Uh, Bill Murray in, right. in, uh, right. in Japan. Right, right, right. right. With that Sophie actress. Coppola. Oh. Um, Sophia Coppola who directed it. Yeah. One of her first films. Yeah. One of her first films. And then it was uh, Scarlett Johansson was the main Scarlett actress. Scarlett Johansson, that's right. What a great feeling. Right. I, lo- I love that movie. I've seen it yeah. like 20 times. Yeah. I mean, a film to create kind of a, a, a tactile sense of a place and a time and, mm-hmm. and be unique in it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we could have a whole show just on, on right. film. Well, on we film are film reviews. people, too. I can too. talk this more than I have politics. to tell you, we are film people, too. Yeah. Uh, favorite sport to watch? And, 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 I grew up yeah. playing baseball, but I watch football now. Okay. Yeah. Not soccer? No, not soccer. No. I like soccer when it's like the World Cup. I think like a lot of Americans. Like a lot of it's <laughs> yeah. 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 But football okay. is great. And I mean, do you still play any sports? No, I used to play. I, I played varsity baseball in high school. Yeah. Um, gave it up when I went to college, so that's it's always in my heart, and I can always play it. But right. um, no, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm gonna make my picture. I know wait, you don't want me to do that. Wait. No, 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 no. I no, have wait. another question. I have. I have something else I want to say right now. You can do your question. I face me. Okay. It's not easy being married. Um, <laughs> is um, I, I'm, I'm a lawn bowler. And there's oh, a long bowling go. green in okay. Central Park. Look out, You probably Raphael. don't know that, but as city as city advocate, you it's need to know It's coming at you, Raphael. Okay. Look and out. You were invited to come out and lawn bowl with me any summer after the election. You bowl in the lawn. You bowl on the lawn. It's oh, like wow. curling. It's actually beautiful. Lawn. Nice. It's I'm really down. beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Let's I'm going to invite you out to lawn Please. bowl. Please. Please. When it gets right. warmer, let's do it. And when, it gets, right. when it gets warmer. Okay. Your question. Okay. Now, think carefully before you answer this question. But what is your favorite podcast? This one. Ah. Come on. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Good I mean, answer. I come here, I drink beer, have a great conversation. 
I'm at a bar. Okay. I'm All on the right. Upper West Side. You know, it doesn't get any better than this. Yeah. <laughs> this is Bar Crawl Radio. We are recording at Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar on West 72nd Street, across the street from the mortuary, and, and down, down the, the block, block from, from Papaya's Hot, Hot Dogs and, and Trader Joe's. And we are talking with City Council Member Rafael Espinal, who is running for the position of New York City Public Advocate, recently vacated by Leticia, Leti- am I saying it right, Leticia? Leticia. Leticia. Leticia, Leticia James, our new State Attorney General. And before we talk about the Public Advocate race, Let's look at a couple of your accomplishments as city council member. Uh, Time Out New York recently praised you, sir, because you were central in creating an official office of nightlife and repealed the city's arcane dancing uh, ban. Uh, I'm wondering what's going on with the new New York City's new nightlife mayor, Ariel Pallets. Pallets, yeah. Yeah, what's going on with her? Well, she was she was hired uh, a few months ago, I think back in April, uh, and the first uh, role of her job was to hold town hall meetings across all five boroughs. So she went from Manhattan to Staten Island to the Bronx and was able to listen to and hear, you know, all of the concerns from the nightlife community, whether you're a bar owner or you're a, a constituent who has issue with bars. You know, her job was to gather that information and figure out how can the city agencies work better to support nightlife, but also supporting the communities who feel that their neighborhoods are being overburdened by bars. Uh, that job is not easy. I was reading a little bit about what she was doing. It it sounds like it'd be fun. Nightlife, mayor, right, woo, right. La, 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 but right. not necessarily. But it's not easy. No, you don't go around drinking beer and hanging out. No, you, you're listening no. to all the complaints that the city has to offer. Right. Right. And being that way, the city never sleeps. There's a lot of complaints. Yeah, I mean, there's a real balance in right. people who live above a bar or live near a bar right. and people doing nasty things out on the street. Right. And, right. And, but you don't want to get rid of the nightlife, and you obviously are interested. In New York City nightlife. Of course. I mean, I think it, nightlife is what drives uh, uh, this city's identity, uh, a lot of its economy. Uh, this the Nightlife employs over 300,000 people. It produces over $10 billion uh, for our local economy. Uh, and when you think about, you know, the club culture, you know, people all over the world come here to go to some of the best clubs in the world. And we have to uh, protect and maintain that. Otherwise, we're going we're gonna to see a lot of young people uh, leave our city or not be interested and want to continue to live in our city. Right. It's right. it's one one of the the the, hi, the highlights of New York City. Right. And I used to be I used to be a cocktail waitress and a bartender. Right. I was go. there. Yeah. I want to tell a quick story about nightlife. So I'd come home at two o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning after the bar closed and they and we cleaned it, and we every you know paid out the 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 tips and everything, and we would I would share a cab with a friend. We'd come up on Broadway, and it could have been three in the morning. Every, every night, there would be this man at Columbus Circle playing a grand piano wow. that had been pulled out from somewhere at a certain time because it was not there during the day, but it would come out at night and he would play this grand piano. That's New York City every nightlife. Night. Wow. It's Isn't amazing. that great? Yeah. I mean, you can, I think those kind of things happen. Yeah. A, you know. I've not seen him in a long time. No, well, I haven't been around Columbus Circle at yeah, 2 or 3 a.m. either. Morning, yeah. So I was wondering about this recent awning act, though. Um, there's a raft of fines on small business signs. Um, why was there this increase in fines and these mysterious 311 calls? So pretty much um, about 90% of, of the awnings and signs you see up uh, were found or have been found uh, to be uh, up without the proper permits. But 
you know, I think over the years we've seen that they're really not creating any issues. There was, uh, there is someone, allegedly, that uh, owns a sign business and figured out that if he called nine one three one one on every single business, uh. that they will force the businesses to bring their signs down. Which some who've had their signs up for decades. That's amazing. And then create business for himself. Wow. But what he was doing is bringing on fines between five thousand to twenty thousand dollars to these small businesses. So a lot of our mom and pops uh, are suffering because of this person or this entity that has been making these phone calls. So, um, you know, I, I thought it was important for the city to be sensitive to the fact that that was, that was what was happening and the impact that was happening on a local economy and passing a law that was going to refund all these fines back to our businesses, but also give them the opportunity uh, to file the proper permits over the next two years without fear of being fined. Right. Wow, that's great. Right. Wow. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about um, about bicycle riding in the city because I know you're involved with that. I don't know. Do you ride a bike in the city? Sometimes. Okay. All right. We, we, we need to go for a bike ride together. Um, <laughs> I think he wants you to be his new. <laughs> yeah. you know, I've, I've rented bikes on uh, on the west side over down by uh, Chelsea. Right. A few times. Uh, because I, uh, hey, Raphael, I want to tell you about the bike lanes <laughs> in New York City, Manhattan. They're not working for me. Right. Uh, they. Um, I know what they're supposed to do, but they're not doing it. And uh, I'd like to invite you for a ride along uh, yeah. 7th Avenue sometime. I think it's important. Yeah, because it's crazy and not so safe. What, 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 any comment on the bike lanes? Well, I, I, I do believe that bike lanes should, should be respected. Uh, we have to go after folks who are double parking on, on these lanes. These lanes are created um, for safety. Uh, I think that we should expand these lanes to incentivize people to ride bikes more often. I am also uh, a sponsor of a bill that will legalize the e-scooters that you're seeing in other cities. And these bike lanes, bike lanes could be essential to scooter scooter riders. We're as gonna well. come back to the scooters. Yeah, we have a question <laughs> about that. Uh, so it's just the idea of like, how do we create not an alternative um, transportation modes and make it attractive to New Yorkers? I think if people felt safe uh, riding these bike lanes, then you know people will use city bike and other bike share programs um you know a lot, a lot more a lot more than what they do now yeah okay I, mean, I i just i just think it needs to be re-looked at it's a great idea and it needs to be refined right yeah okay and, so uh, yeah. tell us about your efforts to turn basements into livable apartment rentable housing how many new apartments will be created so the, the number that we're looking at is about five thousand. uh the reality is a lot of these bas- basements are already being rented out illegally uh, if if you look at the neighborhoods I'm from, uh, about 75% of those basements are being used as an extra source of revenue for the homeowners and also as an apartment for those looking for an affordable apartment. So uh, my, my efforts is to, one, protect the homeowner from fines from the Department of Buildings, and then two is also to create uh, extra sets of units, and especially in the city, that's looking to build more affordable uh, units. Th- these are units that already exist, and how do we support, um, you know, uh, creating those units without without um, putting a heavy burden on those homeowners. Right, uh, it, but there's not that many of them, right? There's like a thousand or so. They're they're projecting about five thousand. Five thousand. I, I, oh, okay. I think the number is I think the number is bigger, but that, that's the number they're projecting right now. Right, and with the housing crunch we have in the city, that would be a that would be huge, a, huge, help. a huge a huge help. If the Department of Buildings decided to go and evict every single basement apartment as being utilized today we will see the the homeless numbers skyrocket you know what you're like you talked last time you were here about the um the roofs and making them into gardens you're like a macgyver <laughs> you, you see problems in the city and you go how can we what can we do how can we fix this 
I, I think that we have to think about the future of our city. I think the city for so long has been driven by uh, reaction, you know, reaction to crisis. You know, how do we, the MTA is falling apart. You know, why don't we look at why the, re, why, what is the reason the MTA is falling apart? Because 10 years ago, no one really thought to put the investments in to make sure it doesn't happen. What are we, what can we do today to make sure that the city is in the path in the right direction and we can deal with the potential issues that might come up and today? The, and the infrastructure. Yeah, definitely. And looking down the line instead of fixing it right. when we get desperate. Exactly. And when you get desperate, it's hard to find the money. It's it's hard to find a political will, and we have to make sure that we're, we're putting the making the right investments and, and putting the right policy forward uh, to manage the issues before they become a problem. Let's talk about the New York City public advocate race and your campaign. Uh, you're deep into it now. This is a very crowded field for the February 26th election. Um, and here we, we are, are in mid-January. We're in mid-January recording now, and this is going to post uh, right before the election on iTunes. And uh, you, you, you needed to get a number of signatures, and I talked with your campaign manager, I think Robin Campbell. Robin Campbell, yeah, he's my communications person. Communications person. Yeah. He said, you got the signatures. You're Good going job. to get. Thank you. You're going to get the, um, the matching funds. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? So we're, we're full steam ahead. We're doing well. Uh, we have a, a strong campaign. I have a strong staff. We opened up offices in Staten Island, in Harlem. It's a gr- very crowded field. Very though. crowded field. How are you standing out? By highlighting the policies I'm working on. Uh, I'm talking about how we're going to push our city forward instead of talking about the issues that we're facing today. Yes, we have to fix the MTA. We have to fix NYCHA. But what else are we doing besides that? Every candidate is going to tell you that they're going to be the watchdog of the mayor, how they're going to fix the MTA, how they're going to fix NYCHA. But no one's talking about what's the next thing we need to be doing uh, to move our city forward. And I have a platform that's going to make that happen. With specifics. Yes. Looking down the line. Looking past. Looking right down now. the line. Right. Making sure yeah. that New York City is more livable. I'm actually running on this livable city line. Right. Yeah. <laughs> actually, Good actually, thank you because we were we were looking at that. We were looking at that, and that we, we noticed that everybody running had to be part of a political party. Right. But there's so many in the race that you that it, you actually had to create your a new mm-hmm. party name. So you're running on, as you said, the livable city party label. Others include the. Fix the MTA party line, uh, Mark Viverito. Um, yeah. No more delays line. Um, sounds kind of like the same party. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> people over corporations line. Um, pay people more party line. People over profit line. Right. So as you see, yeah. just looking at the party names, you yeah. can tell that I have a more comprehensive, broader vision for our city. Uh, with livable city, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I like it. That's yeah, luckily no name. one's running on the Make America Great party line. <laughs> right. Right. Not in New York City. So. So we came up with uh, some other suggestions okay. for political party names for nice. this race. For this race, okay. right? Yeah, okay. So here, here they are. I hope you guys are not running. Here's our offering. Well, we may. Well, you know, we might just jump in there. Yeah. I feel like frisking someone. Party. There we go. Whoa. I can definitely fix it. Believe me, I can really party. Wow. I'm not the mayor yet. Party. Whoa. Hey. Look at me! Party. <laughs> I need a job. Party. Free hamburgers for all. Party. I like that one. That's a winner. I might vote for that one. Yeah. <laughs> How about this one? Dump Trump. Dump Trump. Dump Trump. Party. <laughs> okay. All right. And let's, let's have, have a party, party. Party. I like that one. <laughs> right? <laughs> Can I tell you which ones I had in mind before I chose oh, the little Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 I'd yeah. love to hear that. 
pizza party. Okay. Pizza party, good. All night party. <laughs> That's like free hamburger for all parties. Right, exactly. I think that you've had a party where you've talked about this. <laughs> right. I think you've done this already. All right. Well, you could have used any of these. So the next <laughs> no, time. Yeah, yeah, great. Know, next time. Next time, for sure. So on a more serious note. We want to know, what is the city public advocate? Yeah, what is that job? The position was yeah. created 25 years ago. Some call it unnecessary. On its face, the office has little actual power. Um, the public advocate is a watchdog on city agencies, we understand. And the city advocate can introduce legislation to city council, but you can do that now as a council member. The city advocate investigates citizens' complaints, makes recommendations, presides over city council meetings but does not vote, and is in the next line in the mayoral succession. What do you want to accomplish with this office? So the public advocate's office, I think we one remember that the entire city votes for this position, right? And I think we're living at a time where voters are, are, are becoming more aware that their voice matters in the process, right? Uh, it, the, the candidate you vote for most likely is going is to push the policies you're most interested in. If the public advocate's able to change public perception or opinion against the mayor, you pretty much hold the mayor accountable uh, on on the issues and the initiatives he's pushing and working on. Um, two, you so have that means you have a bully pulpit. Exactly, a real bully pulpit. You know, as a councilman, I represent Bushwick, East New York, probably some of the lowest voter turnout uh, districts in in the city. Meaning that I don't really have much of a of a large voice unless I work on grand ideas like the office of nightlife, right? Right. Um, so as, as a public advocate, you have a, a true bully pulpit that can be used against the mayor when, when, when his policies are not working for the city of New York. Two, you have the power to legislate. Yes, I can continue introducing legislation like banning plastic straws, which I have done, like right. getting, repealing the cabaret law, uh, and be able to uh, not only introduce those laws, but also rally and build support around these policies that are gonna, really going to drive the direction of our city forward. Right, 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 right. Um, so on February 26th, we have an election. Very, very few New Yorkers will be going to the poll. I mean, according to predictions, and I believe that. For a special election, a vote for But next we'll city. be there. Right. No, we'll be there. We haven't decided who we're going to vote for, but I, I assume, <laughs> I think, I like everything you're saying. You. So, you know, I'm, I'm holding out I'll go bowling you. with you. There you go. You got there my you vote. Go. There you go. There you go. If you get me a hamburger and a pizza, then we're, we're, we're in. Yeah. Um, last I read, there were 31 candidates. We've talked about that. I don't know how many there are now. Do you know how many of the candidates are in there? There are 31 candidates who uh, announced that we're going to run. There were about 23 p- p- petitions that were put in okay. uh, by 20 different candidates right. R- last Robin, night. Robin, your So those are the ones that actually got the, the signatures. Right. Okay, okay. Right, so right. it's down to 23. The candidates that are running against you for the city public advocate uh, position might be considered better known than Rafael Espinal. Uh, Melissa Mark Beverito, Jumane Williams, just to name two, are more recognized, their names are more recognized than yours. Uh, the New York Times described you as the candidate with local flavor. Is that enough to distinguish you in a crowded field? What do you bring to the city advocate position that the others don't? My, co- my colleagues have, uh, yes, the ones you mentioned have higher name recognition. Uh, but I think if you look at the policies I've worked on, those policies have higher recognition than their names. Uh, so my job is to go out and uh, speak to as many New Yorkers as I can and, and let them know that I'm responsible for all of these great things that we've been working on over the past two years. Uh, and then also, you know, I, I, because of the work I've done, I do have citywide name recognition. Um, so, so folks do know me. 
Uh, and what I also bring is is the fact that a lot of the, a lot of the issues I've worked on has touched constituencies that normally haven't been part of the political process. Uh, thinking about the nightlife community, for the first time they feel they have an advocate, someone speaking for them. They're going to vote in this election. People who probably would have stayed home are going to come out energized. And I'm hoping that since the fact that it will be a low turnout election, that those voices who feel represented for the first time in their lives are going to come out and want to support someone like me to yeah. be in that office. But it's a real numbers game here. It's a numbers game. It's yeah. political science. I mean, it could, even a Republican could possibly be elected. Definitely. Oh, no, if, there, if there's a sole Republican running in this race, it's very possible they, they could win. Because mm-hmm. it's the one who gets the most votes, votes. period. That's what it comes down to. Nah, right. Nick, right. Not gonna win. Yeah. yeah, I can tell you who the Republicans are, just so you won't vote for them. <laughs> <laughs> no Sorry, worries. I'm no not, worries. I'm not even gonna look. I can't imagine what that ballot is going to look like. It's going to be like twelve feet long. Right. <laughs> it is going to be twelve feet long. So is there like a lot posi- of names? Is there a position? Is it alphabetical? No, it's actually who turned in the petitions first. Ooh. I will be. I am number seven, which okay. means I will be in the second row, first line. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Right. So if you le- if you read left to right. Then I'll be the number, the second person. Okay, okay. that sounds good. All you don't right. want to be yeah. first. You don't want to be last. Right, so somewhere at the yeah. top. Somewhere. So if you look at the first thing, you're like, ah, I don't like that person. You yeah, see, it's not amazing that we yeah. live in a democracy in which position on the ballot. <laughs> oh, it's but crazy. I think it's true. It's crazy. I, I think it's true. <laughs> Something. You okay, consider. so listen, Raphael, Alan, and I have been thinking that uh, we might have the ear of the possible future uh, New Public, York City yeah. advocate sitting right across from us. And we had a few ideas. Can we get you another beer? You, maybe you might consider <laughs> if you gain these new powers. Sure, my job okay. is to listen to the public. Oh, we got a list. You ready? Yes. I okay. Know. Okay. So here, here we go. First, all right. Now this this is important. Think about it. We think the fire engines in the city are just too gosh darn loud. And it'd be preferable to have them work their way through traffic with another sound. We have a suggestion. Instead of a siren, Listen how this. about this? <laughs> While shivering in my shoes, I strike a careless pose and whistle a happy tune. And no one ever knows I'm afraid. I mean, can you see it? This I can fire see it. Engine I mean, I could, I could Julie see Andrews going down... See, Wouldn't that be nice? I can see myself laying in bed and hearing a siren and like falling asleep. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But it ends with, yeah. I'm afraid. It's yes. okay. <laughs> Which you should be afraid when you hear a siren. Right. Yeah. I'm afraid. Right. Oh, Alan, yeah. you shouldn't have done that. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this is what I want. I'm a teacher. I want a New York City hooky day, especially if there were not enough snow days in the winter. I want you to call a snow day in just arbitrarily. We didn't have any snow days in the winter, so they need a hooky day. We're going to make May 15th a hooky day. You're off. You're closed. I, I agree. I was right? I, I was that student that, were, looked, for that, that looked for that looked for that extra day off from school. I, I think you should be honest. Just call it a snow day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A snow day. Not yeah. a hooky day. Not okay. a hooky snow day, day in May. Like we, we allotted a snow day. We didn't use it, so we'll use it in May. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Call it a snow day. Right, right. We didn't get to use it. Right. Carry forward. Right. You have, you have another one. Okay, and we think that you should establish an ordinance that all construction workers, this is from the feminist point of view, should wear pink and brush their teeth. All right, so okay. that's, yeah, we have to Can you work on that? that? All right. um, we'll how about this? About. Raise city funds for a New York City entry in the Tournament of Roses Parade. We really like that parade. Okay. We yeah, we reported it. on it a few weeks ago. <laughs> nice. Yeah, have, yeah. A, have a New York City I think that'd be cool, a New York City Rose float. And the Rose Parade, we yeah. Put, yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, we're a big them. city. We should have a representation. We should. Oh, ha- we should. Definitely. Seriously. Okay. Uh, 
Oh, and key, yeah. in order to keep things moving along, we think that you should create... Okay, now, this is a good one. We think that you should create separate li- lanes on the sidewalks, okay? So there'd be fast walkers, medium walkers, and tourists, <laughs> which, of course, are the slow walkers. Right. right. Uh, require all the outdoor film shoots in the city to have neighborhood donut stations. Wow. Yeah, so that's for real. Kind of like very neighborly thing to do, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. If they're going to shine those big fat lights have in some, our windows. Have some coffee and donuts ready for, for us. For the neighbors, yeah. yeah. And we were just in D.C., and they have electric scooters all over the place. And I understand mm-hmm. you support e-scooters. Well, Becky and I feel the New York City needs something like that, but something that's unique to the city. So we thought the city should provide electric pogo sticks. Uh, just imagine just looking down Times Square, seeing those heads bobbing <laughs> up and down. And, uh, I think that would we be were, really cool. We, we, we New York cool. Good, right? All right. There's Julie again. While shivering in my shoes, I strike a careless pose and whistle a happy tune. Okay. So, so there are some perks of the office. Uh, I understand you get a raise of almost 185000 a new driver, wow, a driver, a new office. Come on, um, you must have thought of that. No, yeah. that's good. It's good. <laughs> and others have used this office as a stepping stone to our higher office, like New York City Mayor or State Attorney General. Is that what the Advocate Office is really about? No. I mean, I'll be honest. I, you know, I've been, I've been um, shepherding my, myself around the city and, you know... <laughs> By getting subway. myself around by subway, <laughs> by car, by taxi, using all modes of transportation, and you just forget that the job comes with all those other perks. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, it's not it's not what I'm interested in. I, I really want the the opportunity to continue legislating, uh, shifting the direction of our city, and making sure New York City stays a livable city for all of us. And Rafael Espinal, it's been a great pleasure. I know you have to head off to something else. Robin is pointing at his watch. <laughs> uh, we want to thank you for joining Bar Crow Radio. We wish you luck Thank you. in the upcoming race, February 26th. All of you are thinking about voting. Please do so for the New York City Public Advocate. Thank you. Important job. Thanks Thank for you. coming. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. I right. hope so. Hopefully I'm here back as the public advocate. There you Boy, go. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? After I win, I'll be back on the show. Okay. That's a great. promise. Yes. I, I think that was okay. a promise. Great. This is BCR 30. Get updates on all BCR episodes by subscribing to Bar Crawl Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, and or Spotify. Or by emailing us at barcrawlradio at gmail.com. BCR episodes are also available on the internet streaming station, Upper West Side Radio. That's uwsradio.nyc. I so liked talking to Raphael. I like Raphael. He is a cool guy. He's, He's real. smart, and it's like, I would just love to see him move on. Me too. You know, and the advocate position is a move-on position. I know that. I mean, you yeah, can get stuff worked. You can yeah. get work done. You can? Yeah, but, you know, Letitia James, now a state attorney general. Right, right. I mean, but that, but that's not the... Blasio, mayor. But wait a minute, that's not the point. The point is, is that what he could do as an advocate, which would make the position even maybe more uh, yeah. interesting. Seems like a cool guy. Yes. It'd be great to have him as as uh, as the advocate. Right. Yes. By the way, what are we having for dinner? I keep asking you. Oh boy. All right. Report on that later. Bye bye. <laughs>